0: realize what we just said i mean think about it all of us in this room are gathering this morning based on this concept that a dead guy rose back from the from the dead like a man who was god literally died was laid in a physical tomb for three days and then one morning he was no longer dead but he was alive bodily he was not alive metaphorically he was not just risen spiritually But he was risen bodily. Do we realize the claim that we just made? Because let's be honest here this morning. We live in a day of skepticism. I mean, we live in a day and age where it's like, you can believe whatever you want to believe based on whatever news channel you turn on. The day of hearing something, reading about something, talking about something, and we just believe it are over. I mean, think about it. In 2022, and this is not a message on how bad the world is, okay? Because I do not have that view. But we have to be realistic when it comes to, do you know what to believe anymore? Or do you have so many things grabbing your attention, saying this, saying that? And in this day and age of skepticism, do we have the capacity to believe that there is actually a resurrected Jesus I mean, sure, there's, you know, we should do this with masks, or we shouldn't do this with masks, or we should do this with this or that, right, there's there's that stuff, but we're gathered here together on the basis that a dead guy came back to life. (laughs) Do you have the capacity to believe that this morning? You see, the resurrection is the very thread that holds our faith together. That is the thing that identifies us as Christians. We are people of the resurrection. C.S. Lewis, when talking about Christianity, C.S. Lewis, one of the most brilliant thinkers that ever lived, this is what he said concerning Christianity. And what he is talking about is the basis of Christianity, the resurrection. And he says this, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. And if true, of infinite importance. The only thing that it cannot be is moderately important. What he is saying is that if Jesus actually rose from the dead, then what we are doing here this morning is of infinite importance. Because we sing about life after death because we actually believe it. If he's alive, then man, congratulations, you did not waste your time this morning. But if he is dead, sorry guys, you really wasted your Sunday with me. If he is dead, it is of no importance. Because we're not here to say Jesus is a really good teacher. If Jesus is, is, is just a prophet, just a teacher, just a man who taught really good things, we're wasting our time. Because there's not too many prophets walking today. There's a lot of good men and women that have passed away and never came back from the dead. And so if it's a false, then it's of no importance. What it cannot be is moderately important. And what we are asking this morning is do you have the capacity within your soul to believe that it is of infinite importance and that a dead guy actually came back from the grave? A lot of times our spirit and our soul likes to ride the fence on this. We're not saying that he's dead, but we're also not really sure if he's actually alive. I mean, all the good things that Jesus taught, oh, I want that in my life. And if he's alive today, great. But when it comes to the resurrection, our spirits and our souls cannot ride the fence anymore and cannot sit on a fence post and say, hey, I'll take a little bit of Jesus, but not this part. The capacity within ourselves that the Holy Spirit would would save our souls in the resurrecting fact that Jesus is alive is what makes the difference with us this morning. Do you believe in the fullest sense of the word belief? Or do you doubt? And is there any room for doubt? Does God leave you the room to doubt? Can he handle your doubt? Because, let's, I mean, in a room this size, not everybody in here believes the resurrection. Can God handle your doubt? Wherever you find yourself today, I want you to hear two things as, the, as, we, as we really get started this morning. Number one, we are glad you're here. Whether you find yourself that I fully believe this and it's of infinite importance, or this is all new to me, and it's of no importance, really. We're glad you're here. But number two, skepticism does not have to have the final word. To the skeptic, to the doubter, to the seeker, to the questioner in here, we are glad you're here, but your doubt and your skepticism does not have to have the final word. And so what we want to do this morning, for just a few moments, is turn to a story which is honestly my favorite Easter story, if you would. It's in John chapter 20. You can be turning there as I kind of set the context. And if you don't have your Bible with you, it'll be on the screen. And if you do not own a Bible today, today would be a great, great Sunday for you to grab a free Bible in our lobby. Take that home. We want to get a copy of Scripture in your hands today. But as we turn to John chapter 20, we see this moment of post-resurrected Jesus with his closest followers. John chapter 20 begins with Mary Magdalene and the two disciples running to the tomb and seeing that it's empty... Mary, of course, when she realizes that the body is gone, sees Jesus but doesn't know it's Jesus and thinks that Jesus is the gardener and is like, sir, wherever you've taken the body, please just let me know and I will take care of it. And he says, Mary, and she realizes that it's Jesus and she hugs him and he says, hey, this is great, but we can't stay here. Go tell my followers that you've seen me. And she runs to tell them. And that's when Peter and John, and, and John is writing this gospel, so he throws in the little detail that he actually got to the tomb first. But Peter was the one, you know, who always opens his mouth. Peter was the one that went in. John's like, I got there first, but I stopped. Peter went directly in. And once again, the clothes were folded there, and, and, and no body was found in the grave. And so they go back, and, and, and they see the Lord. And so that's where we find ourselves in John chapter 20. But then we get to this passage, and we're going to start in verse 19 this morning. Because this is what I want to see as we open the scriptures together, that doubt does not have the final word, and skepticism does not have to have the final word. And this is what it says, starting in verse 19. When it was evening of that first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews. And Jesus came and stood among them, and he said to them, Peace be with you. And having said this, he showed them his hands and his side, so the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit, and if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. But if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. What we see here in the context is this is the first account of the risen Lord appearing to the disciples before closed doors. You know, it's interesting that the disciples had just heard from Mary that the Lord is risen, yet they did not go look for him. Still being fearful of the Jews, they locked themselves in a room and they waited. But then the Lord appears to them. And this is where, you know, it'll, it'll drive us crazy. Like, did he walk through a wall? Did he open a door? How did he appear? We're not going to spend time on that. You can do your own study there. But Jesus appears to them, and he does these two things. Number one, he says, peace to you, and then he shows them the scars of his hands and the scars of his side. Now, this is going to come up in a little bit as we continue to read, but it's interesting that Jesus does this now unprovoked. What he's doing this for is to show them the same Lord that you saw go to the cross is the same Lord that stands bodily before you today. Unprovoked, Jesus is saying, I do not have a twin, as one theory would have it. Unprovoked, Jesus is saying, look, you don't believe it's me, look at the scars. The very marks on my body that shows us that this is the same Christ. In fact, John in in, in chapter 19 says that Jesus was pierced in his side. And so the disciples have this encounter. And they rejoice greatly because they've seen the Lord. But then we get to a fellow who was not there. And this is where I want to spend some moments this morning. Let's keep reading. Verse 24. But Thomas, called twin, one of the twelve, right, one of the disciples, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were telling him, Thomas, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, If I don't see the mark of the nails in his hands, put my finger into the mark of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will never believe. It's quite possible that you have heard of this disciple. It's quite possible that maybe you've even heard this phrase, doubting Thomas. Do not be a doubting Thomas. Spoiler alert, it comes from this passage. And a lot of times when you read this section of verses, we may be tempted to vilify Thomas... Because number one, he wasn't there, and number two, he makes such an erroneous claim that I will never believe unless I do this. Now, it's a little unfair, because let's just be honest this morning. What if you were remembered by that one time you did something stupid? There was this one time that I played baseball as a kid, okay? I'm not saying I'm an athlete. And maybe I was a little afraid, and maybe I dribbled a little bit in my cup, okay? And, and no one will let me live it down. And it's like, guys, it was one time, There's moments, maybe not like that one, but there's moments in your life like that where you're like, guys, it was one time. It was one time. And I say this because as we read this passage, it's easy to automatically be like, man, Thomas, what a doubter. Do you understand that Thomas was also mentioned in John's Gospels at least two other times and it was not because of doubt? You see, it's interesting that in John 14, as Jesus is talking about going to the Father, and he looks at his disciples, and he says, where I go, you can go also. You know who raises his hand, and he's like, Jesus, we don't know what you're talking about? Thomas. While all the other disciples were like, yep, 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 that sounds great, yep, hmm we know exactly what you're talking about. Thomas is like, hold on, we don't know where you're going, and we don't know how to get there. In that moment, Thomas was honest. And I'm sure Jesus looked at the other disciples and were like, is, is, is that what y'all are thinking? And they're like, Yeah, actually, we don't know. What we, were, we weren't writing anything down. In John 11, Jesus is going to raise Lazarus. And the disciples are like, Wait, Jesus, you're going to go back into the town where they just tried to stone you. And he says, Yeah, because Lazarus is sleeping. You know what Thomas says? Well, let's go with him so that we can die too. You see, Thomas was honest. He raised his hand when he had a question. He wanted to know more. Thomas was brave. When Jesus was going into a town where they were about to kill him, he said, well, hey guys, we're going too. But in this passage, Thomas has some doubt, rightfully so. And we're like, oh, Thomas, you don't want to be like that disciple. Thomas is a realist. Thomas was a thinker. Thomas was a real man with real thoughts, real emotions, and in this moment especially, he was honest, especially in his doubts. I mean, guys, think about it. Was there doubt and skepticism? Heck yeah. But there was also a lot of grief. They had just walked with Jesus for three years. Not only was he their Lord, but he was their friend. And he just went to the cross and was killed as a traitor, he died as a criminal. And there's so much grief surrounding this moment, and Thomas is just being honest. And can we just pause here for a second and just take an honest moment in our doubts? Can we just pause here for a moment and recognize that all of us in here are tempted to doubt? Do you realize that all of us will pass away with questions in our mind? All of us, whether you've been following Jesus for a little while or a long while, have those moments where if we're being honest, we think, Lord, how, what are you doing? What is this going to be like? Jesus, are you still good? You've been good for a long time, but now what I'm going through, I just don't know if you're still good. All of us in here, if we would just pause for a moment, recognize that there is doubt in our minds sometimes. There is skepticism sometimes. And Thomas was bold in his doubts, was he not? What did he say? Well, unless I touch his body, I'm not believing. It would be the equivalent (laughs) of if somebody was decapitated and Thomas saying, unless I put his head back on his body, I'm not believing he's alive. It's gruesome, it's bold. He's just being honest. And before we go any further today, I want to encourage you in this, wherever you find yourself, that God does not shy away from the honest skeptic. God does not shy away from the honest skeptic. Thomas being honest in his doubts is the best place that he could be. It's the best place that he could be because a lot of times, especially in Christian culture, if you claim to follow Jesus, you want to have it look like you have it all together and you have it all figured out. That's certainly my temptation. I don't know if it's yours, but it's mine. I have the degree. I lead a church. I should have it all together. I should know all things. And spoiler alert, I don't. And God does not shy away from the honest skeptic. When we are honest in our doubts, honest where we are at, He creates space for that, do we? Do we in this community create space for the honest skeptic? Because you see, Thomas had really good friends. He had a really good crew. That even when he said, I will not believe, the Greek tells us in verse 25 that when they tell him we've seen the Lord, the the wording and the verbiage there is that they kept telling him we've seen the Lord. Do we create the space that the disciples did? That even when someone rejects the gospel presentation in the first moment, we don't give up on them even though they doubted, even though he doubted, they kept telling him, we have seen the Lord, and they made room for the skeptic. You see, it was in the absence of Thomas with his crew that his skepticism grew. And you and I, we know that this morning, that it's in the moments where we are tempted to retract from community that maybe some sin struggles in our life continue to grow. That when we are not honest with one another where we are at in life right now, That doubt may creep in, that sin may creep in, and that's not the way that the Christian would have his life. So Thomas had really good friends who kept telling him, we have seen the Lord, and it's in these moments where we're questioning God and all that he's doing or not doing that we need one another. And even in the hiding and some doubting, the Lord was forming this crew to love one another and to care for one another in the midst of this doubt. We could say it like this, that because of the resurrection, because of Jesus' resurrection, he provides a new community. A new community that makes room for the skeptic, makes room for the doubter. And through the gospel, you and I are family now. And we're not going to have it all together. The gospel is the good news that you are a sinner in need of a Savior, and a Savior has been provided. If you are a sinner in need of a Savior, then there are going to be times, like Thomas, that you doubt the very present reality of the risen Lord in your life. We all will. And Jesus' resurrection provides a new community, a community where the skeptic is invited, and we can love, and they can belong even before they believe. You see, I have to believe that the disciples wanted Thomas in the room because you never know when the Lord is going to show up next. It wasn't enough for him to say, if I don't, if I, unless I touch his scars, I will never, ever believe. It wasn't enough for them to say, well, okay, that's your prerogative. Now, they wanted to keep him in the room in case the Lord shows up. If you are a skeptic here today, if you are facing doubt, we want you in this room. We want you in this community in hopes that Jesus would show up and do something miraculous. And that's what happens. Let's keep reading verse 26. A week later, guys, a week later, they didn't give up on him. A week later, his disciples were indoors again, and Thomas was with them. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and look at my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Don't be faithless, but believe. And Thomas responded to him, my Lord and my God. A week later, Thomas is with them, and the risen Lord shows up. And I think at this point, Thomas might be thinking to himself, man, I really wish I wouldn't have said that. Because Jesus stands there, and unprovoked, he says, Thomas, touch me. And Thomas is like, what are you talking about? I don't to touch you. What, what do you mean? No, I'm good. And Jesus is like, no, touch me. And not only does he command Thomas to touch him, but did you notice what else he said to Thomas? The doubter, the skeptic, the one who said something very crude just a week later. He said, peace to you. You see, not only does the resurrection of Jesus provide us with new community, but the resurrection of Jesus provides us new peace. Jesus did not meet the skeptic with a lecture. He met him with kindness. Jesus did not meet Thomas in this moment and say, you didn't believe in me? Come again? Where were you? I showed up here a week ago, and you weren't here. You, you RSVP'd on Planning Center to serve, and you weren't here. Oh, that's a, just a joke, but it didn't land. That's okay. We'll keep going. <laughs> he did not meet him with a lecture. He met him with kindness. To the one in need of peace, the resurrected Christ offers it. To the sinners in the room, Christ stands before you as the resurrected Lord and says, have Peace. This is how the Lord always meets skepticism. This is how the Lord always meets you in your doubts. Because the reality about doubts and questioning and seeking is it provides chaos. We'll go crazy trying to figure out what is happening, maybe just in this world or in this universe, what the Lord is doing or what our spouse is doing. It will drive us crazy trying to figure things out. And in the midst of all that, the Lord, the risen Lord, has the capacity to meet that space with peace. And if you are a doubter in here this morning, I believe that the Lord says the same thing to you that he said to Thomas. Peace to you. He did not look at Thomas and he does not look at you and say, explain to me Noah's ark and then come follow me. He looks at you and he says, peace. And not only that, but he offered Thomas what Thomas asked for. He says, Thomas, touch, like, like touch my hands. Touch my scars. And it's in this moment, verse 27, <laughs> that Thomas realizes that what he asked for he didn't actually need. Did you recognize this? That just a few verses before, Thomas says, I won't ever believe until I touch these scars. And then when the Lord shows up, Thomas confesses one of the greatest confessions of Christ in the New Testament. What Thomas thought he needed to touch the scars, he didn't actually need to confess the Lord is God. And it's in this confession that as he says, my Lord and my God in verse 28. That he's saying, my Lord, he is the king on my, uh, the, the, the throne of my heart. And my God, he is the God of all nations. That is what Thomas is saying here. And he did not need to touch the scars. He did not need the evidence, we could say. He just needed the risen Lord to say, peace to you. You and I do not need Jesus to prove himself to us. We just need him to show up. You say, it's easy to say, especially living in 2022 when there's so much to believe and we don't know what to believe, that if I could just have this Thomas encounter, then I would believe too. And I get that. It's it's very on the surface, it's very easy to say, yeah, there's doubt, yeah, there's skepticism, and I would make this same confession of my Lord and my God if Jesus himself was standing on this stage and invited me to touch his scars, I would believe. But notice Jesus' words as we end this morning, verse 29 and following. Jesus said this to Thomas, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen, yet believe. And then John writes this, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. The Gospel of John is full of Jesus' miracles. John actually goes into more details about Jesus' miracles than probably the other Gospels do. And time and time again, Jesus shows his deity, shows who he is, shows the people that not only am I a man, but I am the Lord your God. And what happens? They kill him. As quick as we would to say, if Jesus was here, I would believe. I would venture to argue, no, you wouldn't. Because just as the people in John walked among him, they saw him, they witnessed him. And some worshipped, but others shouted to crucify him. And Jesus knows that. You see, these people did not receive him or believe in him. And let us not be quick to say, yeah, well, if I was there, I would believe. No, you wouldn't have. It's not in seeing that we believe. It's in believing that we see. And Jesus says something here that unlocks something for us in 2022. A world of great skepticism. As Jesus says, because you have seen me, Thomas, you have believed. Blessed are those who will not see me, have not seen me, and yet they believe. The most blessed one is the one who does not see with his eyes but his heart. Is that you this morning? Jesus is talking about you in this verse. That blessed are you who has not seen me, yet believe in me. And John writes at the end of this passage, These things I have written to you so that you, you, the reader in 2022, may know that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that he leads to life. To the skeptic, John is saying, I have written these things so that you may believe, just as Thomas did, but you don't have to see him. Do you this morning have this life that Jesus is offering to those who have not seen him yet believe? We started this sermon with this question that do we have the capacity in our hearts, in our souls, to believe something of such great sustenance, like a man rising from the dead, rising over our our sins, over death, hell, and the grave. Do we have the capacity to believe that? Because Jesus is saying, to the one who does not see me yet believe, that is what you are holding in the palm of your hand. We could say it like this, that not only does Jesus' resurrection provide a new community, and not only does Jesus' resurrection provide a new peace, but Jesus' resurrection provides new life. You see, Thomas' life would never be the same. Upon seeing the risen Lord and confessing him as Lord and God, church history would tell us that Thomas would venture to India, And Thomas would spread the gospel to those in India, into southern India, and at the end of his life, Thomas would be speared to death. What changed? What changed? What changed Thomas from not only not being a part of the crew that was in a locked room hiding, but what changed Thomas from saying, I will never believe unless I do this, unless I do that, unless Jesus himself proves himself, I will never believe. What changed? And that Thomas would go from that... To the man who would be killed in India. New life. New life, new confession that the Lord is our God. Once a skeptic, hurt, grieving, would one day willfully lay down his life for Jesus' mission. That is a new life. That is testimony of a new life. And do you have that this morning? Sure, you might not be in India laying down your life. But do you have this community? Do you desire to be a part of a community? Do you desire this peace that Jesus can offer? Do you desire this new life? Do you have it? Are you confessing the risen Lord this morning that he has done great things in our life? That he is our living hope? That he is our ambassador? Are you confessing those things today because of the new life that he has given you? Or do you still doubt? Wherever you find yourself today, I believe the Lord is going to show up in your life just as he did in Thomas' life. That whether you find yourself 100% into this, this, this resurrection of Jesus has changed everything, including my life. Or you find yourself, and I am doubting so much, and I need, I just need something. Wherever you find yourself, I believe the Lord is going to show up. And so as the guys come back up and we sing one more song, if you are in need, if you are in need of this new life that only Jesus can offer, me and my wife Emily will be on the front. We would love to pray for you. We would love to walk alongside of you on what this resurrection of Jesus means for your life, the newness of life that you can have, this new community, this new peace, this new life to where you will not need Jesus to quote-unquote prove himself, but rather he can come before you today and you can confess, my Lord and my God, if you are in need of new life this morning, Jesus is here to offer it. That is the good news of the gospel, that while you were dead in your sins, Christ would die for you, And Jesus Christ would go to the cross and he would physically die and he would be physically taken off a cross to be laid in a borrowed tomb. And three days later, that is why we are here this morning, he would be resurrected to new life and because he has been resurrected to new life, so can you. That is the gospel. And if you need new life in here this morning, we would love to be the community that walks alongside of you. Wherever you find yourself, whatever you need, We will be on the front row and may you respond. Let's pray together.